support comes from the Wiregrass Archives at Troy University's Dothan campus, identifying and preserving historical documents and photographs for research related to the Wiregrass region. More information at troy.edu slash wiregrassarchives. From Troy Public Radio, I'm producer Joey Hudson, and this is Clarinet Corner. Today we'll listen to the second and final part of host Tim Phillips' interview with renowned clarinetist John Manassi. We'll hear some somber, serious topics, but as always, we'll have some fun too and listen to some wonderful clarinet music, this time from John Manassi himself. We hope you enjoy. In addition to your busy clarinet life, um, something happened to to your your wife and your family over the past recent years, and I read about it in various uh, publications. And I wondered if you you'd be willing to talk about what happened and kind of what that has meant for you in recent years. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's everyone has challenges, so I'm not, not uh, maximizing this, but we, we we feel it's important to talk about because um, you know uh, I think. Difficulties shared can ease the burden on on, on on others who might be experiencing things. But uh, my, my wife uh, had a first just during COVID a uh, a brain tumor that um, was successfully removed, but left her uh, temporarily paralyzed on her right side. Uh, but, but it required a lot of rehabilitation and 15 months into that rehabilitation where she's still just starting to, she's a cellist, um, where she started to uh, overcome a lot of these uh, things from the tumor removal. Uh, she was tragically hit in New York City right in front of um, Avery Fisher, now uh, David Geffen Hall, uh, by a errant mm-hmm. moped was like a motor scooter who was riding on the sidewalk and in the crosswalk and she got hit head on um, and tragically suffered a, a traumatic brain injury from that. Um, unfortunately, in the same area where the tumor was removed. So it, sort of like literally in those board games back to square one where she was paralyzed on the right side and more difficulty in recovering now than uh, it was after the tumor removal. But she she is, let, let's say so far, uh, we're almost a year out from that accident and she, she still can't play the cello, but she um, is making very, very incremental progress and we're leaning into a lot of neuroscience and, and brain plasticity theories and, and knowing that um, uh, things will continue to get better, uh, leaning into, and I should say this even prior to her accidents, what I've always felt is the biology of belief. And uh, so, yes, that, that's impacted things. and. In a way, it minimizes what we do. It, it, it uh, as instrumentalists and musicians, we get all caught up with our reads and this and how we sound, and you realize, oh my gosh, you know, life is so precious. And then 
you, you dial it back and you realize, oh my gosh, life is so precious. Um, these things can happen. What we do as musicians and artists is so life enhancing, um, nurturing for everyone that in the one sense you say, just getting your health back is the most important thing. But for my wife, she'll say, hearing the music in her house, hearing us rehearse, hearing us play is healing. So it can add mm -hmm. layers of depth and importance to what you do. And the most important <laughs> layer is gratitude. The most important layer is gratitude. We get to do this. We get to share this. We get to present these concerts. We get to help healing. We get to teach it. We get to share it. We get to work on it. We get to practice. That's a privilege. I must, I must tell you that um, I actually, that what you're saying really resonates with me because during COVID, when everything shut down, I was, you know, in my house, with my children, my wife, and um, occasionally cooking. No, actually doing a lot of cooking because my children eat constantly and it's <laughs> right. fun. I like doing it. And uh, there was one time where nobody was performing, but there was a, a live performance of you with the Mozart clarinet quintet. And I and it was on I can't remember if it was on Facebook or YouTube, but you were, uh, everybody in the quartet was wearing a mask, and there were um, dividers between you and the other players. And I hadn't heard a live performance in a while, and I uh, so I turned it on in the kitchen when I was making food, and I listened to the whole thing, and I remember the what it felt like oh. to to experience that live moment. So. I, I don't know. I mean, tell me about that. Was that uh, I, to me? I would have been a little maybe scared by it because I don't think that was a time when people were were really going out and doing a lot of things without a mask and being in in different environments. I don't think we knew all that much about COVID and what was actually happening. What what a time period that was for all of us. How it has changed our brains and the the fear that we went through the loss that we all went through. We all did it together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was a performance out in Colorado, uh, the Colorado College Chamber Music Festival, which I've been a part of for, geez, I know this for how old my son is, 25 years, because he was born the first year I went there. Um, what an amazing artistic director there, Susan Grace. But she um, decided that, you know, there's an energy match in, in, in people as to why we're drawn together um, in music as clarinet players or whatever it is um, that, we, that we share. And it's, someone has coined the phrase collective effervescence, where people get together for a shared purpose to experience joy and harmony and I think what the pandemic taught us all is that the power of that experience that you just described, even though it's just live on screen, there's nothing that really replaces being in a room and feeling those vibrations coming 
from the stage and knowing that you're a part of it. Um, it's, it, it, as we all know, it's, it's indescribable. That's why I'm sort of stammering right now, but that, that's why we do it. That's why we sit there with our clarinet and try. I mean, really, Tim, have you ever sat in your room practicing thinking like, oh my God, I'm crazy. I am blowing my, spending my life blowing through a stick of wood, getting a little blade of grass to vibrate a certain way to what end? To, to illuminate music, to inspire delight, teach, like, what, like, why am I doing this? And I thought, it's sort of crazy. And then they realized, wait a minute, I don't want to feel that crazy. So I imagine some other profession. I said, what about the guy who has a metal rod with a little spatula at the end of it and tries to tap a ball in the middle of a giant field in a tiny hole? Like, That's nuts, right? So, <laughs> so I think to myself, okay, here we are. <laughs> We're playing these musical instruments and incorporating everything. I, I refer back to now the great Dr. Gatton. Playing a musical instrument is the height of brain delicacy. So we're incorporating the entire human experience, the coordination of operating the instrument, which is why we donated our childhood to practicing scale sitting in our basement while other people are out you know doing whatever they're doing we're trying to get the long tones we're training our bodies to do these things so that these movements can become a reflex and we realize it's an enormous discipline oh it's lifelong well okay that's good it gives me something to do but it, it it's incorporating the entire human experience of emotion of communication of near telepathy when you're playing with your colleagues, um, listening, reacting, sharing, teaching, growing in all parts. And that uh, all points to the, the bottom line of gratitude to be able to do this and to be able to share it. Absolutely. Well, um, I do appreciate your, uh, experiences and what you've provided for us listeners over the years. Next, we'll do some listening. We'll listen to the trio in B-flat major opus 11 by Beethoven. And this is performed by clarinetist John Manassi, pianist John Nakamatsu, and cellist Clive Greensmith.
was the trio in B-flat major opus 11 by a very young Beethoven, performed by John Manassi clarinet, pianist John Nakamatsu, and cellist Clive Greensmith. This is Joey Hudson, producer of Clarinet Corner. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll listen to some music and more of host Tim Phillips' interview with acclaimed clarinetist John Manassi here on Troy Public Radio. 
All right, let's do some listening. We will listen to the Grand Duo Concertant in E-flat major, opus 48, by Carl Maria von Weber. And this features clarinetist John Manassi and pianist John Nakamatsu.
was the Grand Duo Concertant E flat major, Opus 48, by Carl Maria von Weber, with clarinetist John Manassi and pianist John Nakamatsu. Here's my, my main question. Given that you have all these concerts, that you perform with John Nakamatsu, that you run the Cape Cod Chamber Music Festival, that you teach at three different universities, and that you play in orchestras in New York, it's a lot. And what do you do to decompress and relax from all that stuff? I mean, how do you let let it let it go and just be a human being from time to time? It's a good question, but before we get to that, I did you know you mentioned about leaving your clarinets in the car that we uh-huh. don't do that. I did hear about a clarinet player who who left his clarinets in the car once. Did you hear about this or no? No, no. Oh yeah, he left them in the back seat midway through the meal. He discovered, oh my gosh, my clarinets! I left them in the car. Oh man, he runs back to the car. He sees the back window was smashed, and he looks in the back seat, and there are four clarinets now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Oh well, hey, you know what? One one time, somebody broke into my office yeah. years ago. They broke down the door for real, yeah. mm-hmm. and they stole my computer. And my clarinets were right there. Two That's Casper right. mouthpieces in the case. That's right. <laughs> that really happened to me. <laughs> um, well, what do I do to compress and relax? Decompress and relax. Um, fortunately, I have a wonderful family. I have a great dog, um, and uh, I do find there's a lot of release and relief in in meditating, mm-hmm. <laughs> exercising. Um, my hobby, as you can surmise through this discussion, is, is even before my wife's incident, I, I was very interested in the brain and behavior and meditating. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would say there was a time where I would scuba dive, but I haven't had too much time for that anymore, which can be meditative in itself to be underwater and sort of communing with, with undersea life like that. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big animal lover, um, wonderful, wonderful dog. I, I like to train them. So I would, I would say that's a big part of my away from the clarinet and music time yeah absolutely i i must ask you a very clarinet nerd question yes um your recordings i've listened to them since i was in high school and a lot of what i do and i think a lot of clarinet players do is try to emulate your sound your articulation your musicality that kind of thing when you were young i know that you were a a very successful clarinetist at a young age Uh, the youngest winner of the international clarinet association uh, young artist competition still to this day the youngest winner of that competition, um, who did you listen to when you were uh, when you were young, trying to figure out who you're going to be as a as a clarinet player, as an artist? I love that question. And well, first of all, I thank you um, because I, I think we're all in this together. If this is not it's not really about me. I'm, I'm I'm gratified if people are inspired by me, but I'm inspired by so many people, all my colleagues, um, everything you do, Tim, and and. I will say this, full admission, I did not like the clarinet, or I started on alto saxophone, because mm. I never heard the clarinet at that time, 
played in such a way that I found appealing. It just, I don't know if it was the, the bands or the squeakiness or whatever. I just, it wasn't like YouTube now where you just type in something and something pops up. It was, I just wasn't exposed to any type of clarinet playing that, although it might have been great, that thrilled me or attracted me until I was sent to Dave Weber as an 11 year old boy. And I heard him just play a few notes live in the Carnegie Hall studio that he had at the time. And well, I was about two full years before I could make any vocal utterances to him. I was in so, such awe of this man, how he sounded, how he taught. Um, and it was really his sound that changed my life. And then all the people he recommended I listened to um, at the time, old French clarinet players. Um, at the time, Carl Leister was a, was a big influence for me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and all the people you could, you know, tick off would, would, would similarly be, be on my list of sound. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, it could be anything. Janusa, Marcellus, Harold Wright, just all... All, all this, the, that type of um, sound really intrigued me. But then what I realized is, hey, there's so much to appreciate about so many clarinet players um, who might not have that particular um, uh, sound, tone, shape that you, you, you might be alluding to now that I can really, really appreciate now. Um, yeah. And, and learn from and be inspired by. Uh, but, it, you know, it's okay to have your special um, love or attraction, you know, your, your first love of what, what you like, <laughs> clarinet sound. And, and, and it's fun to sort of, um, I don't know, say chase it, but nurture it. And know that, uh, I'll refer back to what I may have said, about the biology of belief that your thoughts expand into form that sound that you are hearing in your head is the most people would call it a concept is the most important thing that you have and fear not it can evolve it can change throughout your life um, but it is that guiding idea in your head that helps you choose a read, helps you choose a mouthpiece, helps you choose a piece of equipment that can help you get closer to that idea more easily. Well, th thank you so much for being here today. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on, on the show and to talk to you about uh, so many uh, important musical and otherwise things in your life. Uh, it's just great to have you. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Clarinet Corner, a production of Troy Public Radio and produced by Joey Hudson. I'm Tim Phillips, and there's a lot more where that came from. This is Troy Public Radio.